Welcome to Japan Web Podcast, episode 116. It is I, your host, MatthewPMBigelow.com, coming at you from the Samoncho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan, the armpit of Asia. This is the podcast that, of course, covers AI trends, rising conflict in the Indo Pacific. Uh, news analysis, odd items, and eventually we're going to get into some crypto, I've decided. Crypto and more importantly, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. If we could have a Bitcoin aspect of this podcast from a Japanese perspective, Japanese or Japan's perspective, because I'm not Japanese, that might that might raise some interest. Oh, uh, speaking of interest, uh, we on the Chartable Charts raised, uh, got into the top 30 of Japan uh, podcasts according to the Apple Charts there, uh, Japan travel in places, something like that. Number 30, we went from number 44 to number 30, and now we're back down to like 125 or something like that. It fluctuates because the podcasting space is so active, all those RSS feeds flying around everywhere. So, anyways, feels pretty good. Just a, a very small ragtag team here at Japan Web Podcast, and to get into the top 30 as an English podcast in a Japanese environment. Oh, I don't know. We'll just give ourselves a little pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. Where's this serious ring? Where's that coming from? All right. So let's begin today's podcast by、uh, taking a look at high or not high. High or not high. This also features、um, a new service. Now, the reason I'm including this in the high or not high section is because it's,、uh, this comes to us from the Asahi Shimbum Asia and Japan Watch from November 6th, and we are recording this on November 7th. Guma's drive throughs offer everything from sushi to meds, and that's the high or not high part of this. By Tatsuro Sugiura, a staff writer there at the Japan, sorry, the Asahi Shimbun. Motorists in a hurry can get everything from burgers to eyeglasses at drive throughs in Guma Prefecture, where a car friendly culture is flourishing. The landlocked prefecture had the highest rate of driver's license ownership in Japan for more than 50 conservative years, up until 2021. In this quote unquote motorist heaven, drive through culture has permeated people's lives, allowing residents to accomplish errands that might otherwise be difficult without a vehicle. Quote, Spending time in Guma will make you understand how convenient drive through options are, said a prefectural government official. We sincerely hope you will enjoy them. All right. In 2013, this is where we get into the products. Jin's Eyewear opened in what it claims to be the world's first drive through shop for glasses at the Power Mall Maibashi Minami Complex in Maibashi. Shoppers first drive, through, drive across the store's grounds following signs to reach the Jin's drive through speakers and monitor. The screen displays a variety of glasses, creating a strange scene. Why did they include that in the article? One motorist made his requests into the speaker quote, I want a pair of sunglasses for driving, end quote, that are simple and not so flashy. He then drove forward to the pickup window. Yuka Arima, the store's assistant manager, handed over six pairs of samples. 
quote, light-colored lenses might suit you, Arima suggested. The driver took Arima's advice and selected a pair of gray-lensed glasses with a transparent frame. The whole process took less than 10 minutes without the customer ever needing to leave his vehicle. Oh, his vehicle. Hmm, only men drive there. Hmm. Many drivers find this system easier and more comfortable than initially expected, and an average of 20 customers a day use Jin's drive through Other errands can also be accomplished in Guma without ever leaving the car. The Guma local pharmacy, Marue Drug, runs drive through stores across the prefecture, catering to residents who crave, quote, convenience drug stores that offer prescription medicine to people in their vehicles in case their children are feverish, end quote. Eight laundry shops from Kong Cleaning Brand in Maibashi and Takasaki also tout their convenience for drivers to win over customers who, quote, cannot imagine dry cleaning large items without going through a drive through end quote. You see how, how market-driven these people are? Remarkable though it may seem, many businesses from sushi restaurants to pawn shops all come with drive through gimmicks and guma. Tapping onto the trend, the udon noodle chain Marugame Seimen, headquartered in Tokyo, opened its first drive through outlet in Guma's Shibukawa in June. Um, it goes on and on and on. Hmm. Harsh summer heat and strong winds called Karakaze and Akagi Oroshi are also thought to be a factor behind the trend. The drive through system is simply meeting the preferences and lifestyles of people in the prefecture hmm so are these people you know how if you're um i've i've heard from people who've been to amsterdam that they get so high that they don't want to go into shops and interact with people and it's it's at, at a, such an extent that a lot of bakeries which just cover all of their breads with cheese and like sausages and they even make like the colors all weird um, so that the people who are high are like, oh, I'm so high, that looks so good. They will go in there and not buy anything because there's people there. But if the bakery puts all of their baked goods into a vending machine and you just kind of open up a flap, you know, pay the money and take your crazy stone man pizza out, sales go up. So is everybody in Maibashi driving because they're busy or is everybody in Maibashi driving to the drugstores because they are high? Are they high or are they not high? High or not high? Of course, I think they're probably not high on illegal drugs, but judging by the amount of uh, prescription drive throughs they got going in there, mommy's in a hurry to get her meds. That's for sure. That's for certain. And mommy's driving too. Yep. 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 Not just his car, her car too, people. Her car. Okay. You got that? We're going to take a jump right into Society 5.0. By the way, if you're interested in seeing some of those pictures of the Jin's drive through and other things, I'll be posting the photos up at MatthewPMBigelow.com. That's also where I put all the show notes. And um, the links to every article that we're talking today, as well as some other bonus articles. And depending on who you are, some people don't have time to listen to podcasts and some people don't have time to listen to uh, reading or, or to read, in fact, all day. So whether you want to read it or listen to the podcast about it, MatthewPMBigelow.com has got you covered. That's MatthewPMBigelow.com. 
Um, next, we're going to take a look at Japan Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements. All right. So that, of course, is uh, by the Japanese government, Japan Society 5.0 initiative at uh, the recent SeaTech event, the largest tech event in Japan for the year, basically. This is, the theme was Society 5.0, and I began researching Society 5.0 in 2017, 2018, when I was working as a um, weird kind of job as an AI teacher at a, at, a, at a telecommunications company, one of the main ones in Japan, and they had launched a $100 billion AI investment fund. Um, and a lot of my students, I, I, I hesitate to call them students. A lot of the people taking my classes, the attendees, were quite high in the company and were very familiar with these types of um, telecommunication trends and network and wireless systems and stuff like that. So I have this background from an engineering perspective from like teaching engineers, all of this type of stuff and following the engineering paths. And, um, I kind of just kept it up over the years. And the reason why is because, well, these are the people that are trying to introduce a new society to us, but on the engineering front, the Japanese capabilities are very high, but on the political front, the recently it's just terrible. I mean, it's really, really bad. These people are all owned by the world economic forum. They don't really know anything about the technology and they just want to, kind of use big words and then hopefully that convinces everybody to join their systems but because they're on a political level intervening on such insane levels it's hard to actually get the engineering in there correctly because their 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 commands and their wishes don't reflect the capabilities and the feasibilities of engineering at the time because they're all WEF people. So they all just want to have this strange technocratic utopia handed to them on a platter. But when you look at the actual use cases of a lot of this tech, it's just simple automation and things like that. So there's a, there's a huge um, uh, dichotomy and discrepancy going on between these two factions within the Japan Society 5.0 movement. And we're going to take a look at some of those um, examples for today. The first one, actually, um, last week, my podcast was called Build Back Worse. And that was related to a lot of the things that we're talking to about today. And some of those things were about um, specifically how um, the government or organizations like the WEF, they, of course, understand how decentralized this technology can be and how regular people can implement it into their lives and essentially replace the government. A lot of this technology is double-edged, you know, to use that terminology, where, um, of course, the factory worker can be replaced by the robot, but also the politician can be replaced by a user interface. A lot of these things are true. And it's important to remember that a lot of the political powers that be maintain their powers by employing a lot of people within the political spectrum and framework. 
So if a lot of those people find themselves out of a job, they're not going to probably vote for the people that uh, led to that situation. So they would end up with a political revolt on their hands that would oust them. So it's in their best interests to maintain control of the AI so that they maintain control of their power base in a way. That's the way I see it. And last week, the podcast was about Build Back Worse and how the G7 with Japan as its head right now are working to create so-called guardrails for AI so the AI doesn't kill us all and do all this stupid stuff that all the science fiction people can't stop talking about. And I don't talk about that because it's stupid. Literally, it's like saying, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm afraid to go into the ocean because Godzilla might eat me. It's like, well, that's kind of a movie. It's like this whole thing of like, oh, the computers are going to start running around and they can be hacked and reprogrammed, but that's all human intent. Anyways, um, today we're going to follow up on last week by claiming more ground in the fact that as long as the government creates AI moats around current capabilities of AI and demonizes everybody else who wishes to use AI in their own individualistic way, it will maintain um, a centralized control over AI and prevent it from becoming decentralized. And we have an example of this for today. Let's dive right into it. A lot of the um, methodology behind this, these initiatives by the public and private um, industries, and that just literally means the government with World Economic Forum affiliates. Um, what they plan to do is they plan to, um, you know, to prevent the public from receiving dis or misinformation, they're going to create all these AI guardrails. But all that does is it just allows those entities to label anything they don't like as mis or disinformation. And when you look at like a cartoon of a political power or political person you understand it's a cartoon and it's not the real thing um, but with this deep fake technology people are assuming that everyone's going to be duped into thinking that it's the real thing and then that's going to lead to like you know um, trump saying something and launching nuclear weapons at russia but all of this stuff is very easily debunkable i mean it's almost like the first time you see one of those really beautiful AI women and it's like so over the top. You get fooled at first, but very quickly you kind of understand, oh, that's fake. And then, oh, that's fake too. And the mind is capable of registering what is fake and what is not fake um, very quickly, especially with AI and computer graphics. There's always something that just eventually gets a bit wrong and our brains are trained to not cross the uncanny valley and, and, and identify just from our evolutionary capabilities, evolutionary, however that means to you, um, you Darwin denier. No, uh, and, and eventually we're okay with it, but that that's not the high, whole idea of this policy. The whole idea of the policy is to set up guardrails and frameworks. And then what they mean by that is that, that they want to maintain the guardrail. The guardrails are intended to keep AI within their control, not within our control. Now, to begin, we have a, and I'm going to prove it right now. This comes to us from the Asahi Shimbum. It's also in other articles and things like that. I just like the way that the Asahi Shimbum kind of take, took, took the approach because it, it, it feeds into what I'm trying to say here. Fake video of Prime Minister Kishida spreads. Creator denies malicious intent. Uh, November 5th. A fake video of Prime Minister Fumio Kishida making vulgar statements in a news program went viral on social media before its creator deleted the footage, which he said he made for fun. 
NTT, who's, uh, oh, sorry, NTV, whose program logo was used, was anything but amused and alerted viewers about the content. The video, which was apparently created using generative artificial intelligence and purported to show Kishida talking to camera, had the Prime Minister's oversized face superimposed on a person wearing a suit. The footage used the logo of NTV's Nippon TV News 24 news program and pretended it was being broadcast live. Um, so it, it spread online and then the person says, I had no intention of making it. He said he thought it was obviously fake. And I'm going to say it is obviously fake. I'm going to play it for you right now. But I mean, it's done as if it's done as if the prime minister of Japan is a news anchor and is on TV delivering the news as if that's just normal. Like, um, hey, look, it's the Prime Minister of Japan. Oh, finally, he's a news anchor, and that's totally normal. Let's believe everything he has to say. Now, this is going to be done in uh, Japanese, but I'm just going to play a little bit for it uh, for you today just so that it's on record. And uh, let's say, if you don't live in Japan or have any idea of what Japanese is, um, you know, this is a test. Does this sound real or does it sound not real to you? Is it real or is it not real? Oh, I removed that. Okay. Um, or is it, uh, if you do speak Japanese fluently or, or good enough, does this trick you or does this not trick you? So let's take a look at the link to the uh, deep fake of PM Kishida and how this is totally going to destroy the world. <laughs> ハチガツ本日は明治座ですね。国会も休みにあたりますので、え、コンビニエンスストアは一般的には、え、コンビニと呼称される施設にて避けるいと飲酒に伴って行われる軽食、え、いわゆるつまみを購入したのち、めったに人は来ない。
G7 code of conduct. The, this comes to us in the same article. The group of seven industrialized na- economies, which aim to create international rules and artificial intelligence by the end of this year under the Hiroshima AI process, agreed on a code of conduct for developers of generative AI on October 30th. The code of conduct calls for identifying risks of generative AI and implementing appropriate measures. The risks include promotion of false information and invasion of privacy. So the, it would be easy to, to, to like, now that the video has been deleted, you don't need to show the video. The video was not shown in this news article. There was not a link to the video. I went and found it on Twitter and linked to it right now. It only took five minutes, but you, now that it's been kind of um, memory hold in a way, all you need to do is say, well, the fake video of Prime Minister Kishida was spreading misinformation. We need now to stop that. And um, notice how... Uh, the Japan News as well. Um, I'll just put it in the Japan News Kishida. Yeah, I got it right here. The Japan News well, it was fake. Fake video of Japan Prime Minister Kishida triggers fears of AI being used to spread misinformation. <clears throat> so, but if we take a look at AI and Kishida, I covered this as well on previous podcasts back earlier in um, April and May, I believe. Whoa! Um, We can also see that they were um, praising the fact that AI was capable of such things. And this comes to us, let's just take a little review here. Kishida can't believe his sound at the, his ears at the sound of him speaking. So this comes to us from Asahi.com from May 10th, 2023. Um, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida was clearly stunned by voice cloning technology when he heard his own voice generated by artificial intelligence. Um, uh, when I speak into this microphone, Prime Minister, my voice will be changed in real time to sound like yours, said AI expert Takahiro Anno, as he eerily mimicked the sound, tone, and pitch of Kishida's speech pattern. Anno and other experts were invited to the Prime Minister's office on May 9th to discuss the benefits and risks of rapidly growing AI technologies. Anno, 32, a tech startup co-founder and award-winning science fiction writer, said he demonstrated voice cloning to highlight the risk of deepfake videos and images being created and spread by AI. Anno gave the AI program two hours to learn the Prime Minister's manner of speaking before demonstrating the real-time voice changer. So... Like, this is from Asahi Shimbam as well. And there's no, like, misinformation, disinformation in the headline. And it's, like, raise the risk. But it's also kind of, whoa, he can't believe his ears. But in addition to that, there's another one. Um, jush. This is, of course, Chat GPT, which is really popular in Japan right now. From the Mainichi, um, Japan's National Daily since 1922, on March 29th, 2023. An opposition legislator posed questions prepared by artificial intelligence chatbot ChatGPT to Japan's Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida during a lower house committee session on March 29th. The questions relating to a draft amendment were conveyed by Kazuma Nakatani of the opposition Constitutional Democratic Party of Japan during a session. Um... According to Nakatani, it is the first time that AI has been used to question the Prime Minister during during diet deliberations. Regarding a proposed amendment to a bill to revise the law on specific measures against new types of influenza, Nakatani reportedly asked to chat GPT, 
If you were a lower house diet member, what kind of questions would you ask the Prime Minister? The questions prepared by ChatGPT read, are the opinions of local government and healthcare professionals being sufficiently reflected? Nakatani had asked these questions, and then he unveiled the Prime Minister um, that ChatGPT responded and then made up his own response to Kishida, and then Kishida said his response was more specific. Anyways, the whole point here is that when it's being used by them, it's good. That's the whole point. And I, that's what I said last week, and it's coming up again this week. So when they're using chat GPT with each other, even though they don't tell each other, that's good. That's interesting. That's progress. When they mimic each other with their own people, well, now we're raising awareness. Now we are preparing for AI literacy, which was part of that other report that I didn't read. Just I didn't read the AI literacy part. But when it comes to somebody making a joke online that is done outside of their power control, oh, it's misinformation. Oh, it needs to be used as an excuse for the G7 to create guardrails to prevent the public from receiving misinformation, all that type of stuff. But all that means, basically, the, the, the theme of the matter is if you use it in a way that is up to you and your own intent... That's bad because you're technically spreading misinformation and the G7 doesn't like that. But if we're doing it as politicians to each other, well, then it's just hilarious. It's fun. It's funny. We're experimenting here. We're, we're having jokes. And that's the, the follow-up to last week where it's evident that they are building up their own structures within themselves to empower themselves with AI to probably replace a lot of workers, but they equally know that they could be replaced themselves, uh, just like that uh, video I just showed. It wasn't very good, but still it's, it's being used as an excuse to stop the spread of misinformation. Uh, and there we go. So it just kind of proves on a more literal or a little more factual or, or by example, by specific example, what I was talking about last week. And if you're interested, why don't you go and check out last week's uh, podcast, episode 115, Build Back Worse, because that's what these people are doing. They're building back worse. All right, let's take a look at a couple more Japan Society 5.0 things. Um, in the realm of AI conversation chatbots, I don't know why these things are so popular, but this is going to be a failure, I can tell. Japan High School trials AI as conversation partner to boost English speaking skills. That's right, because the Japanese average English speaker is so robotic, the only way that they can improve is by interacting with more robots. They always try to do this with English classes as well. Like, hey, we'll get them more interested in English by showing them a robot. They do this with like those um, animatronic style robots where it's like a, a person and it looks like a person and they say, hello, everybody. I am your English teacher. And everybody goes, wow. But in five minutes, they're all bored because it's that uncanny valley thing where everybody kind of goes, that's actually just a piece of trash. And we're going to go play with our Lego blocks now. Um, Chiba, a Chiba prefectural high school program or high school began experimenting with an AI based English conversation practice system in September as a possible solution to the speaking skills barrier, considered a particularly tough learning hurdle among four major language skills. The system uses AI to determine conversation content based on the student's level of spoken English. A high school student who has tried the system said, I was able to talk naturally and I want to speak more. Yes, the 
the, 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 the student responded robotically with an appropriate answer. Are you sure you were able to talk naturally? Do you know what that even means? In a computer classroom at Narita Kokusai High School in Narita, Chiba Prefecture, a 16-year-old first-year student, Miyuki Kanda, sat in front of a computer. A female CG character, the voice of the AI on the screen, asked her in English what she'd eaten that morning. Kanda replied in the same language that she had soup, to which the AI character said that that would make the morning nice and warm. Do you see how dumb this is? Afterwards, Kanda smiled and said, um, I thought probably in Japanese, right? Because she answers one word. What did you have for breakfast? Soup. Oh, very good. Your English lesson is now over. Now explain to us in Japanese what you said. <laughs> That's this whole system in Japan. One word, right answer. Correct. Now you are speaking English. Afterwards, Kanda smiled and said, I thought I'd made some grammar mistakes, but the AI replied positively and made it easy for me to talk with her. Other students who used the program commented, after studying English grammar at school, I will have more chances to use that knowledge for output. <laughs> they they, they ro robotically responded. And even those scared of making mistakes might be able to talk with AI. All right, and it kind of goes on and on and on and on. If you're interested, the the article will be on uh, MatthewPNBigelow.com. But again, it's like it's it's a stupid thing, and it's not going to really work. Um, what more interestingly, though, is the idea of supply chains with the idea of Japan Society 5.0. It's not all just software based mechanisms. A lot of the Japanese Society 5.0 stuff has to do with drones. Um, manufacturing, automation and manufacturing. And just like how we all know a typewriter is very different from a keyboard on a computer, even though they're kind of the same format, the typewriter kind of very specifically does one thing while the computer does a billion things, right? Same thing with the smartphone. And a lot of people will say that when the car first came out, it was called the horseless carriage. Well, Eventually, cars got radios and automatic windows and catalytic converters, and then it created this whole thing of pollution and congestion and traffic, and it totally changed the way our societies work. So the car is not just a horseless carriage. You know, it's maybe it started out that way, but very rapidly, the innovations outstripped what the horse was able to do. Now, the same thing is true with um, when we think about replacing analog equipment uh, with digital equipment, especially in schools. Tablets, for example. It's not just uh, iPads for that make tablets, as we all know. Tablets come in many, 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 many shapes and forms, and a lot of people will choose Chinese ones because, well, they are cheaper, and you can't really blame them for that. I'm going to turn off this gate here. Now... When uh, thinking about cost and everything like that, well, if you buy a thousand cheap pencils or a thousand expensive pencils, the output is going to be relatively the same. I mean, you might have a little bit of a difference. But when you think about the difference between um, high-end tablet computers and low-end tablet computers, well, this is going to be completely different. And so when you have the short-sightedness of people that don't understand the value of quality products just because after all it's a tablet it's just a screen that you tap on and it doesn't matter which one you get they're all basically the same so let's save some money well the short-sightedness of that leads leads us to this article from tokushima uh, via the mainichi japan's national daily since 1922
Thousands of tablet computers introduced to schools in West Japan's Tokushima Prefecture have become unusable due to malfunctions, leaving over 20% of students without the devices. And this is kind of, this. I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is a little bit boring, but if you're in a company or in a project or something like that and you're looking to upgrade from analog to digital, this is a cautionary tale about how things go wrong unexpectedly. According to the Tokushima Prefectural Education Board, the tablets were distributed to a total of 29 schools in April 2021 with the goal of providing one device per student. The prefectural government purchased the 16,500 tablets manufactured by China's Chiwi using roughly 800 million yen or $5.3 million a grant from the national government in fiscal 2020 as part of measures to tackle the, 20, the COVID-19 pandemic. I guess because you can do remote learning, which is also a terrible idea. So instead of like getting your your hands dirty and wet and understanding how, how you know your hands actually do the work, they replaced all of these computers, uh, pencils with computers to tackle the COVID nineteen pandemic, and then a whole bunch of them got screwed because the supply chains aren't uh, helping you out these days. The tablets were supposed to be used for five years before they got updated, but 694 of them had malfunctioned or had been damaged in fiscal 2021, the year they were distributed. The prefecture saw another 627 damaged in fiscal 2022 and had dealt with the program by repairing the devices or using replacements in reserve. The education board learned that this fiscal year... 2,859 devices had been reported damaged in just six months up to September, and of these, 2,312, or roughly 80%, were due to their batteries swelling. So, you can imagine kids running around with these things and dropping them on the floor, or, you know, their kids, they don't understand how, how to handle nice things very well. Uh, it only takes five minutes of them getting out of control with any kind of device to ruin it completely. I know because I'm a father of two. The board told each school in October to check the tablets, and it turned out there were multiple devices that had slightly swollen. Some of these had been replaced with the reserve tablets, but schools were short of 3,782 devices as of October 1st, and around 3,700 3, students out of 15,000 had been left without their own tablet. And it goes on from there. It's just a cautionary tale, like I said, <clears throat> where... Maybe the people buying these didn't read into the manufacturer or, you know, online complaints about battery swelling. Um, the battery swells and, of course, it, it, it pops the screen off of the top. So, or, or, and who knows? So, the idea that you can just replace all of this stationary that's worked well for hundreds and hundreds of years by now, you know, implementing and incrementally getting better... Uh, just the fact that you can say, well, we're going to get rid of all these uh, analog devices and replace them with digital technology from China, and it's all going to be fine and dandy. So now this $5 million investment has received a major hit. Not only that, but all the curriculum development that went into planning for all the students to access these tablets are now <clears throat> also having to go back and revamp all their plans. That's a huge money sink and extra time and, and a massive problem for all these people. Okay, so let's replace the broken ones with iPads. Well, now you create a discrepancy in quality and which kids are going to want the iPads versus the cheap Chinese product. I mean, come on. So um, if you're not aware of the, of the type of 
technological innovations you're replacing your legacy equipment with. But it leads to this type of stuff quite frequently. And I studied that a lot um, with uh, listening to interviews, especially with Microsoft managers, like big managers at Microsoft. They would talk about investing into technologies for their offices and very quickly it would get it would be legacied or it would break down and then you have this thing called technical debt where a massive amount of money and planning is being allocated within your organization and it goes sideways and now your organization can't work as efficiently as as efficiently as it could before because you're constantly dealing with these internal um, problems created by massive decisions. So just a cautionary tale. I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect of Japan Society 5.0 where we're looking to update everything and be a member of the cloud and do virtual learning. But oops, you bought cheap Chinese batteries and now your devices are screwed. Hmm, indeed, a little uh, little foresight could go a long way there. All right, anything else for Japan Society 5.0? That's it. Oh, Mar- Elon Musk issues warning about humanoid robots in a- AI age of abundance. And he says they should be more secure because if the robots can chase after um, packages in a warehouse, well, they could be hacked and retrained to chase after you. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0 A technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, Free us from the stress of driving. Have you thought, and I know you have, of donating to the Japan What podcast? Now it's easier than ever. Just go to MatthewPMBigelow.com and we have a PayPal link for you there. It's called PayPal. It's a Japan What podcast. So that's PayPal.me forward slash Japan W-U-T. PayPal.me forward slash Japan WUT. We are also part of the growing ecosystem of Podcasting 2.0. Get rid of your legacy apps. Get a new one like Podverse or CurioCast or Fountain. Import your podcast list into there and circumnavigate the upcoming censorious nature of our big tech overlords. Podcasting 2.0 allows users to donate Bitcoin micropayments in the form of Satoshis. So get your Get Albi wallet, put on some Satoshis, send it to your favorite content creators on these podcasting apps, and you can send and support money in the form of Bitcoin directly to the podcaster. <clears throat> no banks are needed. No, um, no, no weird regulators. Regulators are going to be in there. The thing with like YouTube and all these other companies is that they create a massive organization filled with weird people that decide what you should or should not be able to listen to. 
Podcasting 2.0 uses open source protocols, meaning those people can't get into the system and interfere with what your intent is to listen to. So that's Podcasting 2.0. Learn more about it. You can go to MatthewPMBigelow.com. Send us some traffic and check out the links and help us out anytime, anyway. Let's take a look at the de-dollarization. Here we go. Hopefully those levels are okay. This comes to us from Global Finance, uh, gfmag.com. Global news and insight for corporate financial professionals. Hey, that's me, is it? <laughs> um, China delivers sustainable development funding to hard-hit Egypt. Now, <clears throat> we are seeing um, major, major efforts to ditch the dollar. And the dollar is still major, but as we know from last week's podcast, that the, in the SWIFT system, the Chinese yuan has now surpassed the euro. A lot of the a lot of the stuff even ten years ago, the Chinese yuan would be at zero. Many professionals will say, "Well, America is still at forty-five to fifty percent of all international processes, so it's going to be number one forever." Well, as we're seeing, China is uh, stepping up its ability to support um, developing nations or second world nations uh, with funding and more and more people are interested into it. So Egypt is in dire need of financing. This comes to us from John Nijiraini at the Economics Policy and Regulation. China delivers sustainable development funding to hard hit Egypt. Egypt is in dire need of financing, facing high interest rates from Western lenders and a standoff with the International Monetary Fund over conditions imposed on a $3 billion bailout. Cairo is opting to diversify its lending sources. Last month, Egypt issued a $478.7 million Chinese yuan-denominated panda bond, a first for a Middle East or Africa sovereign. The three-year bond comes with an interest rate of 3.5% under current market conditions, a bargain compared with dollar-denominated bonds, the government says. While the Panda Bond deal comes across, quote, more like a power tool than an asset class per se, end quote, Ishak Diwan, researcher director of finance for development at the Paris School of Economics, reckons that for Egypt, it is a lifesaver. It is an important innovation and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I'm just going to look for the word D-dollar. Uh, in tapping China's domestic capital market, Egypt is opening the door for other African nations that might want to end outright borrowing from China and its state-controlled financial institution. Panda bonds are gaining traction with borrowers seeking to walk away from dollar-denominated bonds and lured by low interest rates in China. They also play a role in the push to de-dollar global financial systems. In the first half of this year, issuance reached a record of 72 billion yuan, more than the 33% jump over the same period last year, according to Deutsche Bank. Okay, so that's just, um, uh, we're, we're following this. And the reason why 
Japan is really uh, an affiliate state of the United States. And there's no going uh, two ways about that. Still very individualistic. There's not a lot of American culture in Japan. But as, in terms of politics, uh, the Japanese government basically follows, follows American initiatives. The, in terms of self-defenses, well, there's a huge amount of bases here in Japan. Um, <clears throat> and then in terms of finance as well, the Bank of Japan is a massive uh, borrower and lender for U.S. dollars and lender. I'm not sure. I don't really know much about banks, to be honest. So, But the connection between the Bank of Japan and the dollar is very high and very tight. So when I see, like, um, and as a Canadian living in Japan, when I see de-dollarization, well, I think my pie is getting smaller. That's the way I see it. Wait a minute. If there's a 5% increase in yuan and the yuan... The yen is going down in value and in use. Well, doesn't that mean the stuff that I buy also loses its value? I mean, my value to purchase it. And so the thing that I wanted three years ago is a lot more expensive now, and it isn't as good as in quality. And that's because the pie is getting smaller. There are fewer and fewer things in your pie, and it's getting more expensive to even have that pie. Some people call that stagflation. Or whatever it is, it's like, you know, you, you, you buy a bottle of wine and it's more water and less wine and then you you somebody pours you a glass of that wine and there's, the cup is bigger but the amount of wine in it is smaller or something like that. <laughs> Maybe the cup is smaller and the wine is smaller too. All of these kinds of analogies kind of fit into how I view de-dollarization. And the sand is slipping through my hands and there's just no way to get it. Or like the birds are flying out of the cage and going into a different cage, of course. So we'll kind of see how this operates, especially in the wider perspective of BRICS. And as um, the China's economy, quote unquote, slows, which I see is like China is cutting off its economy with the West and establishing establishing a tighter economy with Central Europe and then through the Middle East and into Africa over a period of probably the next hundred years, they are slowly yeah, cutting off the blood flow between um, China and the West, the G7, and more focusing on other areas of the world because um, everybody in the West is just talking about racism and everything else. So it's, it gets tiring and they're tired and I'm tired and I kind of see the point, but then I'm just this guy kind of looking at my pie and I'm like, I wish the pie was bigger. I wish the pie was bigger, but it's not. It's not getting bigger. That's de-dollarization for today. Here we go. go, go. All right, we'll probably settle off with war for today. I have another, I have a bunch of other things I prepared. I might start doing two podcasts a week. I'll see if I can do that. War. <clears throat> so, Taiwan. Set to go to war in 2026, 2027. You can just type that into any search engine. Taiwan War 2026, 2027. And you'll find a lot of articles telling you that that's when the shiznat's going to hit the anfei. Um, but the idea of Japan being part of this war has been pushed and pushed and pushed. And originally, Japan was going to be all in. They're going to say, yeah, we're going to have our 
our, our, our country is ready to use as a pad and we'll come to the collective self-defense. The quad needs to preserve the free and open Indo-Pacific. But recently, Japan has taken a sharp turn the other way. And we're going to document that um, for uh, today. Oh, but before we do that, regarding this whole Israel-Palestine thing, Air Self-Defense Force plane from Japan evacuates 46 people out of Israel. So they're getting the hell out of there. Probably not a bad idea. It doesn't look good. So let's just take a look here. Um, Weak yen forces Japan to shrink historic military spending plan. Now, I haven't really focused that much on this, even though a lot of people, a lot of Japan watchers have, where they, where Japan will say, we aim to pledge by 2026 a 54% increase in defense spending, and we will work with our compatriots and like-minded countries around the world, and everyone goes, oh, wow, look at all this money. But no, no, no. They said they plan to, they aim to, they envisage. So it's like saying, tomorrow I'm going to go to the moon, and all your friends go, whoa, you're going to the moon tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, you're like, I've decided to delay my plans of going to the moon like there's no real need to focus so much about it because it changes always in the future and today is an exact uh case for that so japan is taking a sharp turn away from war i would argue weak yen forces japan to shrink historic military spending plan from japantoday.com um this is a very long article we're not going to go too much into it it's 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 heavy-handed a collapse in the yen is forcing Japan to scale back a historic five-year, 43.5 trillion yen defense buildup aimed at helping to deter a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, according to eight people familiar with the matter. Only eight. Since the plan was unveiled in December, the yen has lost 10% of its value against the dollar, forcing Tokyo to reduce this ambition defense procurement plan, which was then calculated to cost $320 billion. The eight sources said Reuters interviewed three government officials with direct knowledge of defense procurement and five industry sources who said Japan will begin cutting back on aircraft purchases in 2024, the second year of the buildup due to the weak yen. Details of how Japan is paring back military procurement due to currency fluctuations have not been previously reported. The eight people who attended numerous meetings on the purchases spoke on a condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to talk to media. This is a planned leak, basically. This is Japan saying, yeah, this whole war thing, we're probably not going to go into Taiwan to uh, defend it. And I just want to say this right now. The idea that any two Asian countries are just going to match up with each other and kick the shit out of another Asian country ain't going to happen unless the U.S. is there, unless there's a whole bunch of other European countries there, in which case, magically, it makes sense somehow. But the idea that, like, the Philippines and Japan are going to, like, hey, we're going to save Taiwan from the Chinese. Let's go kick some communist ass. Never going to happen. They don't do these things in Asia. They work on trade very well. They work on... Um, networking very well. There's a whole bunch of things. The supply chains, when they weren't disrupted by COVID in in, the, in Asia, are, are a thing to behold, truly. Uh, the Straits of Malacca and Singapore there, and the amount of traffic coming in and out through Tokyo Bay, it's crazy. Uh, but the idea, yeah, that's like, 
like South Korea, Taiwan, and the Philippines are all going to somehow match their navies to work together and prevent a Chinese Communist Party takeover of the Republic of China, Taiwan, is insane. It's never going to happen. They don't know how to do it. They've never done it before. It's not part of what they do. Not going to happen. I'm saying that right now. And probably Tokyo, after all of the um, gas has been breathed into them from the spy networks around the world, including... You know, CIA operatives or intelligence operatives or like these like these think tanks around the world, strategic investments for greater East Asia or something like that. All of those types of things are all filled with spies. They all breathe and they breathe and they breathe into the ears of the Japanese politicians. And the, at first they go, yeah, we should have a bigger military. Yeah, we're going to work together. With but once the gas leaves the room, the stinky farts leave the room, they kind of go, what? What are we going to do? Are we... we really going to send all of our young people to get sunk in the, the Taiwan Straits so that Taiwan doesn't become a communist part of China? Like, what? Is that what we're going to do with the Philippines? Are you kidding me? So, um, this is my opinion, and it's very heavy-handed opinion, but um, the, the probably Japan is using the weak yen as a, as a, as a leverage point, right? So, don't let a crisis go to waste. The weak yen right now is terrible. It's really bad for us, but you may as well use that for something, right? And that something might be, oops, now we don't have the money to rebuild our military, and Oops, sorry, we can't help you in case the Shiznat hits the Anfei in the Taiwan 8th stray. Um, so let's take a look. Anything else from this? Uh, Japan's Ministry of Defense said it does not discuss details of procurement planning when contracting the comment. Okay, so the U.S. Embassy in Tokyo said it was unable to comment. So no one's able to comment. Um so the, anyway, so that's that's step one. Um, and so what what's going to happen now is the Japan will say, well, we don't have the money, but maybe we can help the Philippines. So America was trying to push Japan into the Taiwan Strait, and Japan was originally going to kind of go, oh, maybe we can, yeah, the quad, yeah, free and open, Indo-Pacific, buzzwords, gassy buzzwords circling in my mind. Um, and eventually they go, wait, no, 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 but... Maybe like now, you know, now that they've Japan's been pushed by American interests, uh, Japan's going to take those same tactics and try to push their interests uh, of self-preservation into the Philippines and say, hey, Philippines, why don't you do it? Uh, so we have Japan and Philippine leaders agree to negotiate defense pact and boost ties amid China's aggression. Let's just open that up briefly here. This comes to us from AP News. I very, very, very rarely use AP News. Uh, I believe it's um, part of a, uh, a proxy to American intelligence networks. That's just me being crazy, but uh, it's used to push push American interests pretty, pretty aggressively. And that's the way I see it. After working in mainstream media a few years, it's like, oh, they really do push the American interests. But it's written by Jim Gomez and Mari Yamaguchi. The leaders of Japan and the Philippines agreed Friday to start negotiations. Oh, they're starting negotiations. And after a few years, the Philippines are going to be like, oh, looks like we have some problems on a reef. We got to think of our own thing. Um, start negotiations for a key defense pact that would allow their troops to enter each other's territory for joint military exercises. The move is part of efforts to strengthen their alliance 
France in the face of China's alarming assertiveness in the region. And it is. China's going crazy. It's like a thousand kilometers away from their southern island, Hainan. And China's like, this ocean's ours, I guess. There's some tablets here once. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. When does this come to us? This was written on November 4th. And again, we're recording this on November 7th. Uh, also announced, so the Prime Minister Kishida also announced after holding talks with President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. that a coastal surveillance radar would be given to the Philippines through a grant. The country is the first beneficiary of a newly launched Japanese security assistance program for allied militaries in the region. Additional Japanese patrol vessels, defense equipment, and radars would be provided to strengthen the Philippines' law enforcement capability at sea, Kishida said. Japan has supplied a dozen patrol ships in recent years to the Philippines which are now barely largely using them sorry which are the Philippines are now largely using these Japanese donated ships to defend its territorial interest in the disputed South China Sea Japan has a held a, has had long standing territorial dispute with China over islands in the East China Sea and uh, it goes on from there so as we can see, instead of spending all of its money uh, to send all of its young people to war and die in the Taiwan Strait, Japan is finally saying, okay, we're just going to donate some, some ships to the Philippines, and then they can use our ships, which are way better than the Philippine ships, to help push back against China there. And it might buy us some time up here. But as you know, uh, you know, Russia is also working closely with China on these things. And I think if the deal has been made, then it's alleged that it has been, that Putin can go into Ukraine with China's support, if China can go into Taiwan with Russia's support. And one way that Russia would support China in such a move would be um, by negotiating with North Korea and supplying North Korea with aid or money or some sort of arms equipment or um, access to um, international uh, computer systems. Um, and then basically that would put the front up to Seoul and South Korea and also put the front up to China, Japan. So Japan would need to refoot its Navy considerations towards a North Korean threat as well. So that's what happened. And now we're seeing Japan um, reverse footing, pivoting away from the Taiwan Strait and pivoting more towards um, home by you know, leaving some ships behind for the Philippines, exiting, bowing up through the back door and heading back to Japan to hopefully get a look uh, from radar surveillance systems at Kim Jong-un's little ding-dong from outer space. Anything else about war? Got a good thing here. Japan Prime Minister tours Philippine patrol ship and boosts alliances amid maritime uh, tensions. Um... PNP on watch uh, for Chinese sleeper cells and Japan, Malaysia to boost defense cooperation. So we're kind of creating more of a defense network around uh, China uh, for the time being. Anything else? Mm, the U.S. is quietly arming Taiwan to the teeth. So we'll take a look at this very quickly. This comes to us from a Twitter account that looks at um, Indo-Pacific news, geopolitics, and defense news. And this is kind of, um, this is as well positioning, is more positioning than anything else. And what I mean by positioning, I mean like narrative formation. The U.S. is quietly arming Taiwan to the teeth. Quote, we need to keep quiet on the whole issue of strategic ambiguity while arming Taiwan to the teeth. 
In Washington, there is a strong sense that Taiwan is running out of time to reform and rebuild its military. So the U.S. is also starting to retrain Taiwan's army. When President Joe Biden, U.S. President Joe Biden, recently signed off on an $80 million grant to Taiwan for the purpose purchase of American military equipment, China said it uh, deplores and opposes what Washington had done. To the casual observer, it doesn't appear to be a steep sum. Well, fury is Beijing's default response, uh, this time it's different. The $80 million is not a loan. It comes from American taxpayers. For the first time in more than 40 years, America is using its own money to send weapons to a place it officially doesn't recognize. This is happening under a program called the Foreign Military Finance. And it goes on from there. So... We can see that, like Joe Biden recently announced, like a hundred, like multiple billion, like tw- between twelve and twenty-five billion. I can't remember in aid to Israel just right overnight. A hundred and fifty billion so far into Ukraine, which is more largely a, probably a money a laundering operation, in my view, and a death death cult approach, just to create chaos in Central Europe to prevent um, U- U.S. hegemony from failing. They want to keep their part of the pie by putting poison into other pies. It's the way I view largely American foreign policy. Um, and But, oh, $80 million for Taiwan. So it's not arming Taiwan to the teeth, although Taiwan has had a lot of purchases in arms from uh, America. We can kind of see a shift in tone towards Taiwan of late. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But it looks like the idea of a united Asian front... <laughs> which is a ridiculous idea, against uh, China to prevent Taiwan from coming into the uh, the claws of the communist dragon is just, uh, it's all, uh, it's, it's, it's always been hot air. It's always been whispers of the international spy community. And once a lot of these Asian countries look at the facts and go like, well, are we really going to do a pincer attack in the Taiwan Strait to prevent this takeover? But can the Philippines and the Japanese really uh, destroy the Chinese People's Liberation Army Navy? I mean, it's it's it quickly becomes of what? Hell no. Why don't they figure it out for themselves? That's the largely the Asian position on everything. What? What? No, you figure it out for yourself. Maybe if you make some money, we could do some business later. Hmm? All right, that's going to conclude today's podcast. Uh, if I get another podcast up going this week, I'll focus more on some Japan news, um, economy, and as well looking more at uh, some Chinese AI moves that run counter to the G7 stuff as well. So thank you for listening, everybody. You found it. It's the Japan What Podcast coming at you from the armpit of Asia, the Samoncho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. You found it. MatthewPMBigelow.com for all of your needs. Get on a podcasting 2.0 app. I'm using Podverse, and I'll see you next time. Until then, ja mata It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much.